Hi, my name is Jessica Wall, food reporter at AdAge, and welcome to another edition of the Marketer's Brief podcast, our weekly discussion about marketing news and trends that have the industry buzzing. On today's episode, we are speaking with Cheryl Batchelder. Cheryl began her career in brand management at Procter & Gamble and later moved into the restaurant industry. In 1997, while she was working in marketing at Domino's, Cheryl was one of AdAge's inaugural women to watch. She later went on to become the CEO of Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. She now sits on boards, including the board of Chick-fil-A. Cheryl and I spoke recently about her career, what she learned along the way, some of the people she looked to for inspiration, and what she thinks leaders should be doing now to guide their teams through this uncertain time. Now, here's my conversation with Cheryl Batchelder. So today I'm here with Cheryl Batchelder. Cheryl, thanks so much for joining me on Marketer's Brief. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So I wanted to speak with you today because we are still uh, selecting people for our Women to Watch 2020 list here at AdAge. And I went back and looked at the first list, which was back in 1997, and you were one of the honorees. Yes, I remember it well. It was such an honor uh, to be in that group of esteemed women. I still look back on that with uh, great admiration for the women that you assembled on that list. So when you were on the list, you were at Domino's. Um, I thought it might be helpful for listeners to hear a little bit about how you got started in your career, and then we can jump forward to work what you're working on now. So when you got started in the industry, you were more in the Uh, consumer packaged goods space, right? Correct. I began my career at Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati, Ohio in brand management, which was a fabulous place to learn how to position and advertise brands, how to drive innovation. It really set my career in motion. Um, As you described, I eventually shifted into the restaurant and franchising industry. Uh, Domino's was my first entry into that space. And uh, it was a fabulous experience of learning how to build a brand in partnership with the franchise operators. And I continued to do that for years, Um, uh, first at Domino's, then at Yum Brands KFC division where I was president. And then uh, my real capstone uh, experience was leading Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen through a remarkable transformation of its brand uh, from the years of 2007 to 2017. And that was quite a ride for Popeye's. I mean, that was a big change at at the brand. I know people are probably thinking about Popeye's now and maybe craving the chicken sandwich, but you were there during a a long time where, where the marketing was undergoing quite a renovation. Yes, it was one of the most exciting transformations I was able to participate in in my career. Uh, A very battered brand at the time that our team came together in 07, uh, seven years of declining sales and transactions and a pretty disappointed group of franchise owners. And we assembled a team, a roadmap for results. Uh, We really made the franchise owner uh, the center of that turnaround in terms of listening to them carefully and aligning with them on how best to reignite the brand. We became an incredible uh, partnership uh, that led industry-leading results over those nine years um, and built the value of the company from about $11 a share to the sale price of 79 in 2017 at uh, It was really remarkable and I think tells a story of what happens when uh, a courageous business plan and a humble team oriented towards service come together. 
And service has been a big part of your career. I know you've written about leadership and and being a servant leader. I want to talk a little bit about how that works with franchise model because the franchise model is unique. What did you learn and and how did you put forth a servant leadership model with franchisees? Well, we figured out, and it's not rocket science, but we figured out that the franchise owner had the greatest investment in the current and future of our brand. They bought the land, built the building, hired the team, trained the team, served their communities, generously gave back. And none of us had the degree of either sweat or financial equity invested that they did. So we made them central to our business plan um, and said we would only measure our success by their success. Now, that sounds really logical and obvious, but it is not the norm in franchising. There's kind of a long, historic battle between franchisors and franchisees. And our observation was same-store sales never went up during battles between franchisors and franchisees. Uh, It was alignment that drove superior performance. And so we made a process out of getting aligned with our franchisees. We called it going slow so that we could go fast. And we would get aligned on how we would remodel the system. And then we would remodel it faster than any competitor in our industry about two and a half years to total transformation of our assets compared to five to seven years in the industry. But that came out of investing in alignment in how we would go about it. We did that on advertising. We did that on new product innovation. We did that on technology change. Um, And to our franchisees' credit, um, they worked night and day Uh, alongside us to make those plans come about. Uh, And together, we were wildly successful. We captured that in a book called Dare to Serve because we really felt, particularly in the franchising industry, there was an opportunity to promote that approach among our uh, peers and uh, in both food industry and otherwise, uh, and to demonstrate that serving franchise owners was the path to superior performance. So, Uh, We share that book wherever we can to help others achieve the same success. And how do you think a career in marketing prepared you for a career, um, you know, being more on the the president level and director level in an organization? Well, you're right. My whole first half of my career would be called brand transformation, primarily in the marketing, advertising, and product development function. And it was an incredibly good training ground for general management because it was strategy. Um, And of course, strategy is the pivot point for any uh, transformation is what will we do that's distinctive Uh, up against our competitors? How will we be the most relevant and contemporary solution to our customers? Um, Interestingly, um, companies don't always look to the marketer as the CEO or general manager. I think it's an opportunity missed. Um, While they might not have all the capabilities necessary to be a CEO, uh, that competence and strategy positioning And finding your competitive advantage is a seminal capability in um, causing business to grow. 
so I am a fan of looking to that chair, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I think things like your Woman to Watch column is a place we can go to to identify up-and-coming talent and then make sure that they're prepared in the other disciplines like operations and finance. How did you get that that work in your own career? How did you know when it was time to move to a new role, take on a, a larger role with a, within a brand? Well, to be honest and completely transparent, I learned by bumping into uh, adversity uh, because my first assignment at the president and general manager level at KFC was not successful. And in fact, uh, it's a publicly known fact that I got fired from that job. And I would tell both men and women that uh, it was uh, for not being sufficiently prepared across all the disciplines. I highly recommend people take rotational assignments into store operations and finance in particular. Uh, supply chain is also a great rotation because I learned those skills being uh, baptized by fire instead of by preparation. Um, I uh, smile looking back because every lesson I learned the hard way at KFC became a tenet of my success at Popeye's. I literally analyzed the failure and used it as the tenets for uh, leading Popeye's in a different fashion. Uh, so that's another good lesson for all of us is that um, success may not teach us everything we need, uh, but a good failure <laughs> can uh, quickly prepare you for the future. So how did you move on from that failure? How did you know what to do to get to the next stage of your career? Well, I, I think um, to be open to continuous learning and improvement is probably the most important thing I learned from it. And to pivot quickly to the learning and to uh, not wallow in uh, the failure, not to lose a lot of sleep over your mistakes um, I took a risk. I took a big promotion, a young stage. Uh, I was probably put in the job to be kind of a first woman in the job. There were all kinds of things playing into that assignment that I didn't control. And so not to dwell so much on the, on the failure, but to quickly bring out the lessons and use those uh, to pivot to a future success. Um, I think uh, what I learned is I should have pivoted faster to the focus on the future. Did you find being a female executive challenging during points of your career? I suppose I did. Um, because I was a, an early uh, female in senior leadership, I was usually the only woman in the room. I think that uh, that made it hard to lead confidently out of your own strengths and style uh, because there weren't a lot of role models around. I encourage women today to um, really come to a self-awareness about where their talent is and what their unique um, approach is to leadership and be confident in that because we are at our best when we are authentic to who we are. And so um, I really believe when I became uh, comfortable in my own skin, I became a more effective leader. And did you have any mentors along the way, men or women, who helped you along the way? Um, many, to be sure. Um, uh, but I would tell you, as more of a mentoring wasn't like a popular thing back then, uh, or really discussed all that much. And so I often describe it as I was mentored by my journal and kind of note taking from people that I came to really respect and admire. 
And just as importantly, people that I did not want to emulate in either their skills or their uh, character traits. And that notebook or journal really became my mentor. So on the um, admiration side, uh, at the time I was recognized by Ad Age, so was Don Hudson at PepsiCo, Shelley Lazarus at Ogilvy. Uh, in another issue, uh, you talked about Brenda Barnes at Sarah Lee. There were some amazing, high-competence, high-character women that I got to watch in action from afar and take notes from, and I'm deeply grateful to them for being who they were and uh, being so, such a great role model to me. Uh, there were many men as well. Uh, one of my favorites was Lou Gerstner, who I worked for at Nabisco, who went on to IBM. He taught me tons about strategy. He was an incredible strategist. He also went to bat for me on a couple of really important occasions um, that gave me opportunity, uh, both short-term and then uh, long-term. He actually recommended me um, for my uh, uh, job at Yum and then again at my job at Popeye's. So um, uh, men taught me skills. They taught me, uh, they made recommendations for me. Uh, they took risks on me uh, when there weren't uh, women in management. So um, a long list uh, of people that I uh, deeply treasure in my career. That's great. And what have you been doing the last few years since you left Popeye's at the end of 2017? So my uh, career today is a combination of board service and CEO mentoring. Um, I love the fact that I'm off the big stage and can quietly contribute uh, wisdom and experience to those that now sit in the seat. So I sit on three uh, brands at very different stages of their business. Uh, Pier One, a struggling retailer, U.S. Foods, a a uh, very talented food distributor, but now in an incredible crisis, and then Chick-fil-A, uh, the best restaurant operator in the world. Um, and I'm privileged in each of those forums to be able to come alongside management and uh, provide counsel. Um, and then I privately uh, uh, mentor about six to nine, depending on the time, uh, CEOs that are sitting in the seat of either a for-profit or a non-profit entity. Uh, that's probably my favorite thing to do because we quietly and behind the scenes look at their strategies, look at their talent plans, look at how they're transforming their organizations. And I have the privilege of working behind the scenes to help make them ever more effective. So in your own way, you are mentoring and leading by example behind the scenes. That's interesting. I, I think it's the absolute best stage of life. Um, you know, most people focus on the years where you're in the spotlight. And there's, I certainly was blessed to have some great years like that. Uh, but these years of quiet con contributions in uh, deeper, more important relationships are, are really uh, the best privilege I've had. That's great. Before I let you go, Cheryl, I do want to talk about the crisis. You mentioned it briefly, what's going on with the coronavirus across the industries. And you have you know, a unique vantage point being on the boards of a retailer, a food distributor, and a restaurant company. So it would be great if you could share with our listeners how you're feeling about things right now. 
Well, this is, as everyone has said, is unprecedented, unprecedented crisis, and there is no one leading in these times that's seen anything like it before. You know, I was talking to an executive yesterday. I mean, when's the last time your top line revenues went to zero overnight with no end in sight? Uh, none of us have ever seen anything like this. So I think it's an incredible opportunity for leadership, but it's a very brave kind of leadership. The type of decisions we're making right now uh, are usually characterized as lose-lose because um, there's tension in them. The safety of our employees uh, with the tension of needing revenues to survive would be a good example of that. How do we stay open at the drive-through, keep our employees and our customers safe, and yet also keep the enterprise healthy for the long term. Incredible tension in these decisions. And I just applaud the acts of courage in leadership that are going on right now as leaders wrestle through that and try to do the right thing. Uh, We need to respect our leaders. We need to support them. We need to encourage them because they are making uh, incredibly difficult decisions. I will tell you the trait that I admire most in the leaders that I'm watching right now is the fact that they do reach out for wisdom. They seek wisdom from others. They're on the phone all day long saying, have you ever seen anything like this before? Anything that remotely resembles it? What did you do? How did you act? Uh, A leader who has that seek wisdom mindset is going to be better prepared than any other leader because they're going to have the most inputs of wisdom to choose their business strategy and path through this. So I really encourage you, if you're feeling the burden and the pressure of leadership right now, don't try to carry this on your own. Seek wisdom from your board, your personal advisors, your team. Everyone around you has something to bring to this conversation that can help you lead. And how do you feel like the restaurant industry in general is is managing its way through this crisis? It is one of the industries that can remain open, but at the same time, you know, revenues are down substantially. Yes, and it will depend on their speed of pivot to new capability. Um, you know, if if they pivot fast to becoming fabulous at drive-through and delivery, um, they will protect uh, the substance uh, of their business and be able to compete. If they cannot pivot quickly, they will uh, uh, be struggling, to be sure. Uh, I believe there will be some kind of... Uh, sort out among competitors. There always is in a a severe crisis uh, of those who were prepared and had the competency to pivot fast. Right now, a leader should be asking, which strategies was I moving towards to transform my business capability that I should move faster to right now? I mean, obviously in restaurants, it's around safe packaging, uh, safe operating practices, and it's about uh, takeout delivery uh, and making those your signature capability as fast as humanly possible. I I think it's a tribute that some have uh, even pivoted to being grocery stores. I mean, uh, Panera announced that this week. I, I think that's cool. You know, why not deliver things like fresh made bread and make that uh you know, which is truly the characteristic of their brand, uh, something that you celebrate. So creativity, innovation, transformative strategies are where I would encourage you to be looking at this point. And how do you think uh, leaders should be speaking to their employees right now? Do you have any words of wisdom for how they can motivate their employees during such a 
unprecedented time? Well, first, calm of the leader has to be the source of calm, that we are here for you. We're going to do our very best to care for your well-being, to take steps that protect your safety. Uh, We're, as fast as we can, getting masks and thermometers. You know, uh, these things are impossible to come by right now, so it's hard. Uh, But I think constant communication of your care Uh, and what exactly you are doing and when they will see evidence of those steps. Uh, Chick-fil-A this week announced publicly that they're building a hand-washing station in every drive-thru, meaning outside. I mean, that's a crazy fast pivot to say we care about our employees and our guests. Uh, We need to be doing those things, and we need to be talking constantly to our teams. And frankly, I think we need to be harbingers of hope. Uh, The one thing we do know as leaders is there's always Uh, the other side of the crisis. There will be some good uh, that comes from it. And we want to be the people that look for that good and plan for that good and create that good. Uh, So harbingers of hope is something that I'm encouraging leaders to be for their teams right now. All right. Well, great. I think we can leave it there. Cheryl, thank you so much again for joining me on Marketers Brief. It was great speaking with you. Thank you, Jessica. It was a delight. Once again, I'd like to thank my guest, Cheryl Batchelder. And I'm Jessica Wall, the food reporter at AdAge. I also want to thank our producer, Max Sternlicht, and invite you to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite player, where you can leave us a rating or review. We promise to live up to our name and keep these brief. Catch you next time.